Previously on Algoa FM Breakfast. All right. In threatening all morning, we've got a very special guest in studio this morning. Dr. Gunny, I hope I don't make you blush, but I do have to proclaim to our listeners that we are graced by greatness this morning. The very best in as far as national treasures go. During his distinguished career, he set many a stage ablaze and similarly on screen where he's placed us squarely on the international stage with roles in the Captain America and Black Panther franchise, the Netflix film Murder Mystery with Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston, and as Rafiki in the 2019 remake of The Lion King. This morning, however, he returns home to Kabecha and he joins us right here in studio to chat about his latest theatre offering, ladies and gentlemen, Tony Award winning actor, author, director, and playwright, Dr. John Gunn. Welcome, Dr. <laughs> <laughs> What's I'm a home. CV? You are home. home. Son of the soil, you are home. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you, I'm home. Dr. Connie, we have to ask this question. Where did it all begin? There are articles which quote you as saying that your father took you to a Sangoma as a youngster <laughs> when you expressed your interest in becoming an actor. Truth. How, how would I explain to my dad? <laughs> what kind of reference did I have yeah. to say that this is what I want to be? And he, I told him that I was dropping my job. I was working at Ford Motor Company. <laughs> and Arthur Fugat, Winston John, Norm Klenkonyeni, Welcome Duhu, and Norman Jinga, um, Bikwana. We had this group called the Serpent Players. Mm. And we were called the Mr. M's. Because it was always in English. Oh, and Gibson oh. would come, Gibson Kente, yes. and do the rawest music and dance. And people would say, why don't you do things like Gibson? <laughs> <laughs> So no, we're coming from a different angle. It started there in this town, in this new Brighton, where we wanted to find the voice of the people. We've seen a lot of theater around, I mean, coming into South Africa, but there were issues we were like dreading to talk about. Yeah. The seven players decided we're going to tell our story from our point of view. And that's the first one was the coat, which was Mabel Magada, was given a coat of the old man who was sentenced to 15 years and said, give it to my family, tell them to use it. He was 65. Sure. He come out of Robin Island when he's 80. Mm-hmm. Then it began the life of that coat, followed, of course, by Cesar Wanzi is dead, dead yeah. 1972, the island, 1973. For which we, you got a Tony Award in 1975. 75. I didn't know what that meant. It's only I found out in the following that morning. That it's huge. <laughs> I didn't know that. I just got the Tony Award and Winston was standing next to me. The first time they gave two Tony Awards for different parts, Winston always says, did you get it for Silvio Banzi or did I get it for the island? We know we don't know. But the following day, back to the theater, there was about 15 to 20 people every night. They were not there yesterday before they won the Tony Award. They were there the following, the following day. After you'd won. After yeah. we've won. Wow. So that's been my life and my stories about my people, my small little town, Grebecha, a.k.a. Port Elizabeth. Mm. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, but, we, we were chatting, Dr. Kani, you know, you mentioned life story and, and your journey and so on. We were chatting about finding one's purpose the other day and how this then brings about passion and ultimately joy to one's life. So we know the artist's journey is not an easy one. Your work, however, conveys someone who has found uh, passion and purpose. But, you know, you give your all in every performance. 
Has it always been a joyous one, though? Or were there times, uh, like, you know, where you felt like you should have just stayed with that nine to five at the Ford Motor Company? No. <laughs> <laughs> it happened exactly in 1965. We're doing Antigone. You know, as a young kid in New Brighton, the struggle, sort of commissars are trying to organize us to leave the country. I suppose I was a bad actor then because my father would look at me and say, what's going on with you? <laughs> my ears were pricking. She knew something. He knew something was happen. Mm. And suddenly I did this play Antigone and I stood on stage. I've never felt so centered, so at peace, so purposeful, so confident that this is who I am. And that's when I said to my dad, that's it. And my mother said, leave him alone. He looks happy. <laughs> oh, mama. Oh, mama. <laughs> I mean, I just, Charlton, sorry, I need to just jump in because you do mention that you found that peace in that moment while standing on stage. I'm going to ask you, although I think I'm, I suspect the answer, I, I'm thinking I'm, I might know what you're going to say, but stage or screen, which do you prefer? Stage. I make a lot of money on screen. Bigger budgets. Screen and television is fine. It's, it's all the media. You diversify. You can write. You can present. You can direct. You can be a producer. You can do all those things. Yes. You can be on screen. I mean, you walk into a Hollywood uh, studio. You don't even see where the cameras are. There must be 14. And everybody's moving 300 people from one studio to mm. another. It gets into a sausage roll factory. The decision is made as to what character, where the character must be, what it must do. Got you. The directors here, when you go on stage, there are no second takes. It's dangerous. Organic. It's dangerous mm. because, you know, we can rehearse a play, you know, for three or five weeks. We see ourselves as brilliant. The director is excited. It's great. That first preview is my biggest nightmare <laughs> because now the pudding has to be tasted by the public yeah. and they have to agree. And when that standing ovation and those screams of bravo, mm. you knew this is what I was meant to do by the ancestors, by God. That this direct connection with the audience. Immediately, immediately. Dr. John Carney, without giving any spoiler alerts, please give us a, a brief synopsis of uh, Kuneni and the King. 2018, mm. I decided that I'm going to celebrate uh, South Africa's 25th anniversary in 2019. I did my research. I asked a brother I know, what would you celebrate for 25 years? 75% he told me things he thinks were positive, things that we have now become members of the global human community. Yeah. We, we have respect when we see respect and we even respect ourselves. There was a 25% of the things we didn't do right and we are very good in this country in doing bad things very good. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So then I asked another colleague of mine who is white, what would you celebrate for 25 years? I got a grocery list of a country <laughs> that's failed, yeah. that doesn't work. Yeah. And I thought, there's an idea here. So how do I bring these people together? They must need each other. And then the idea of Kunene and the King came out of this, um, well, it's a white experienced classical actor has been diagnosed with a terminal disease, but it's been offered King Lear. That's where the King comes from. And at Ascape in Cape Town. But the doctor says, mm, you ain't got three months. 
He mm. says, I've been in remission all my life. I'm going to make it. But now you need someone to look after you. Okay. So he called the nursing agency. The nursing agency says, we're sending Sister Kuhn to look after you. Doorbell rings. Sister I walk Kuhn. Sister Kuhn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's what he heard. Doorbell rings. I walk in. He sees a black man in the northern suburbs, affluent houses in Johannesburg. He wants to call. First, he thinks I'm Mr. Delivery. Yes. He's thinking, put the pizza down. I said, no, I'm not Mr. Delivery. He says, what are you doing? I'm calling the police. I'm says, I'm the nurse. Yes. You asked for He says, no, I'm waiting for Sister Kun. I said, no, I'm Sister Kunen. Okay. You didn't listen. Now, that kind of attitude that when we meet, there's always the underlying suspicions yeah. and fear mm. and mm. all the other crap that goes with South African racism, normalizing it and non-normalizing it. It begins like that. But what binds them together is their love for Shakespeare. Mm. That Lunga did study a Cowan secondary school, Nassin Newell oh, High School. Cowan, okay. Yeah, he did okay. study Shakespeare all the time. But this guy played brilliantly uh, then by Sir Anthony Sher. Right. And then this time in South Africa, it's being played by Michael Richard. Mm. Brilliantly. So we meet. But he is on a difficult time in his life. And his wife divorced him and left his son. My had a daughter who went to Cape Town. She worked for the Law Society. We're both lonely men. Mm. Mm. And we find each other. And, and that's what's happening in Kunene and the King. With the humor, of course, because I believe uh, if you want to tell a sad story, then let the politicians tell you there's no water. No, yeah. don't even if go wanna, there. If you tell a good story, <laughs> let the artist tell you. Yeah. They'll tell you at least about the water, but you will laugh. <laughs> so, but, you know, in addition to all of that, I'm also loving that there's this um, uh, kind of breaking of gender stereotyping, that the sister Kunene, because he's obviously expecting a female uh, nurse and there comes a sister Kunene yeah. who is in fact a male nurse. He says, but you're a man. <laughs> I said, yes, we're all called sisters, nursing sisters. It's yes. not a, it's a qualification, nothing to do with gender. Yeah. Mm. He says, so, Kun Kunene, Kun Kunene. And I realized, oh realize, my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, besides, you know, reaffirming what we all know, your mastery as a playwright, as an actor, the piece also speaks quite intensely um, to your role as an activist, obviously. What message were you driving when you wrote the play, Dr. Ghani? And has this message perhaps altered at all since you put first put pen to paper back then? Albeit a short space of time compared to the 25 years of change which the play speaks to, um, there's also been so much that has changed just in the last three years. Well, if it's changed for the better, it will make my play irrelevant. But because it did not change for the better, it got worse. Yeah. Challenges came more and more, a corruption within the, our government structures in corporate sector and uh, the violence within our community, the femicide and gender-based violence, the high school dropout, and all these things have sort of kind of hit the South African emerging mm. new society. And we had to grapple with job creation while there is no investment where the, the, there's a fear of investing in South Africa and all those things. The art always transcends that time thing, geography and race. It has no boundaries. It speaks. If you were to do Othello now, you would be representing exactly what's going on now. Still relevant. And it's still relevant. King Lear, for instance, written in 1613, but it's so relevant to what's happening in our country today. Yes, things have moved forward. 
but uh, at a pace where we feel, where should we be by now? The problem is that the politicians told us in 1994, that's it, we're going to get everything. I'm still waiting for everything. <laughs> you and all of us stand in line, Dr. Gani. <laughs> Listen, you do mention that the play um, has some lovely, funny moments and so on. It does also, though, contain a lot of moral and political and ex- existential depth. Uh, existential depth. How did you manage that kind of light tone against such a heavy backdrop? You know, people always think that when you write a play, you already know what it's going to mean. No. The story starts once upon a time. I don't know where it's going. Mm. You know, I will just follow these, these, these ticoloshes speaking in my ears, which the characters, mm. and I'm telling their story, and it's informing me. And when I finish the first draft, I step back. That's when I see what is it I've written. Then I take that first draft. I said, all right, now I need to get the drama out of it, readjust it, and see where it's going to have an impact. At the, by the time I'm doing the fourth draft, I'm now being smartly clever Mm. as a dramatist. But the base of the story has told itself. And there it is. And and South Africa is full of these stories, you know. But we've gone so overtly commercial is that people feel, "Ah, who's going to want to see this? Will theatres want to put it on? Will this happen? I'm very, very, very fortunate in my life that I've had been the confidence of producers and film on television when now I'm at a position where they ask, are you writing anything? We need to put it in oh, our theatre or will you open in our theatre yeah. this time your new play? Yeah. I said, I haven't even thought about it. I'm still enjoying this one. you're a conduit or a vessel and, this, and you let the story flow through you. Absolutely. And sometimes I ask myself questions. If you see Kunen and the King, somebody said to me in, in Joburg, at the Joburg Theatre, because from here we're going to Stellenbosch, he said, how do you write that hurting line that comes from the white character telling you who you are from a perspective of racism? How do you write that line that hurts you? I said, I have to be honest. I've got to put the balance, the two sides, because the intention is to reconcile them. The intention is to bring them together. The most powerful message from the, the Kunen and the King is, Do you see me? Do you see me? Are you looking at a black woman? Very pretty. Where's you? You're looking at a guy who's white. Where is he? Can we just go beyond this this, this absolutely cliches of you people, your people, white people, black people? Have we not really survived that? Let's look and see the humanity in each other. And that's for me is the thing that I'm celebrating in Kunen and the King, our humanity. Dr. John, uh, finally, where can people see the play and uh, where are tickets available? Right. We're right at the Mandela Bay Theatre Complex, a.k.a. the Opera House. And we're running from Thursday to Sunday. Is it web ticket? Yes. Web ticket, yeah. Web ticket or even at the theatre. And we continued the tour to Stellenbosch. What a time to go to Stellenbosch. Yeah, can you, you will, When you see the play, you will realize, oh my Lord, how did you foresee the incident in, in, in Stellenbosch, yeah. which is replicated in Kunen and the King, written and in 2019. And showcasing back there. It was then, it was like you foresee it. The most important incident, the play is dedicated to my younger brother, who died of liver cancer.
and the plays about liver cancer. Wow. The play is also dedicated to Sir Anthony Sher, who died last year of liver cancer. Oh, wow. wow. Talk about oh. art imitating life. Life. Oh. I'm sure. freaking out now. I'm looking for another actor with health. Now I'm too scared to even ask if I can audition. <laughs> no, I'm, a, I'm scared to audition you. Listen, Chatting. Charlton, it's 150 rand per person, yeah. 200 rand for two people. Two. Run, don't walk, folk. Uh, Dr. John Gunn has just come back from Durban. It was sold out. We cannot let him down. Kabecha, stand up and support one of our own. Chatting about the remarkable play, Cornelia and the King, a story about two men who represent polarized aspects of the South African experience. Dr. John Carney, thanks so much for honoring us with your presence mm-hmm. this morning at Algo FM and uh, sharing with us this morning as well. Thank you. I'm home. <laughs> It's I exact- love this stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Doctor. Algoa FM Breakfast is the business.